Welcome to Islamabad Rock City. This is Ahmed Rasool. Uh, today we're talking about Vital Signs Volume 2, and we have a special guest. Before we get to our special guest, I'd like to introduce once again my broadcast partner, Imran the Canine. What's good? Same old, same old. Thank you for the introduction, and glad to be here to discuss music as always. For sure, man. Uh, do you want to introduce our guest? Sure. Um, so the, our guest is Ahmed Riaz. Uh, Ahmed Riaz is an old friend of ours. Um, I have known Ahmed Riaz, I believe, since 1990. And Rasul, you've known him even longer than that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, no, I think around the same time. Yeah, right. That's when I entered school. Yep. So. so he's a very old and dear friend of ours, uh, also a, a great fan of music, and uh, particularly of this album. And we thought it would be awesome to have him here discuss this album with us. Hey, hey guys! Um, so you gave my you gave my name away. I was going to have a secret oh. name that no one on the internet would know, but it's okay. It's okay now. So to all the uncles and aunties out there, I apologize for what my thoughts are about music. Or that I listen to music. Uh, I don't have a cool DJ name like these guys, but I'll try my best. Awesome, man. So happy to have you. And uh, should we get started sure. then? Uh, oh. uh, so, Iman, what's uh, what are you listening to nowadays before we get into Vital Signs? You know, what's on your playlist? So uh, recently it's been um, David Byrne and a little bit of um, uh, the Juan McLean. So give you a little history on okay. uh, David Byrne. He was the lead singer of Talking Heads. A, uh, yes. okay. I was just about to say I never heard of him, but now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so influential rock band from, like, I want to say the early 80s uh, and late 70s from New York City. Um, especially concerning, like, uh, wanna, uh, pop music and the introduction of uh, electronic elements in um, rock and roll. Mm, okay. So yeah, very interesting catalog, uh, very um, delightful catalog. Um, coming in, like he did make an album with Brian Eno, and that's how I got into this. And as we discussed in our previous podcast, Brian Eno was a producer of, um, yeah. yeah. U2, mm-hmm. Roxy Music. Yes. Right? Yeah. So just a tangent off into that. Cool. And um, yes, some of it is very interesting, and some of it um, is, uh, you know, I would say uh, on the, I don't want to say strange, but I guess it, it requires another listening, I would say. Right. <laughs> and Ahmed, what have you been listening to? Which Ahmed? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's already begun. Yeah, it has begun. Um, so, uh, actually, let's, uh, you know what? I'll start off with uh, Rasul, throw it back to Rasul, and then we'll have our guest. Uh, uh, in the end, Riaz. Yep. Riaz in the end. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, for me, it's been uh, Judas Priest, which is a bit strange because I always mm-hmm. kind of like stayed away from them. Right. And the strangest thing happened. I actually liked it. <laughs> so, okay. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, now, Ahmed, uh, quick question. Now, uh, this uh, now Judas Priest is considered part of the new wave of British heavy metal bands, correct? Yep. 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 Okay. Um, so now, when you're listening to this, do you do you hear their influence on such bands like Metallica? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Judas Priest was at one time managed by um, the guitarist from Black Sabbath. Um, okay. They're from the same part of the country, so the Midlands. Um, okay. 
And uh, so they were formed in 1969. So they're actually one of the first metal bands ever. And right. uh, metal, which another thing I forgot, it comes from the UK. Uh, right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sort of. Um, but at the same time, I think they're more like um, somewhere in between Iron Maiden and ACDC. Okay. Okay. Now, given uh, now their their lyrical content, it, would you say that it's more uh, it's just as complex as uh, Iron Maiden, or it's more um, easily accessible for fans? Um, so they actually started off kind of more progressive, okay. and fans weren't really getting it. Um, and then they kind of uh, I don't want to say dumbed down, mm-hmm. but simplified the lyrics. Okay. Um, so there's an album called British Steel, which had the song famous song "Breaking the mm-hmm. Law," which has that famous riff, um, and that's when they really took off. Okay. So. I would say they're more towards like ACDC okay. in terms of simplicity. Okay. And but they do uh, have a similarity with Maiden with the twin gu- guitar attack. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I say they're kind of in between those two bands. Okay. All right. So that's it's an interesting listening, and uh, definitely you would say it's a recommended listening. Yeah, I mean it's decent. I wouldn't say like I love them or anything. I would give them like seven point five out of ten or something. That's that's you know, a very high. Just listen to the great. Yeah, I listen to the greatest hits or like um, uh, British mm-hmm. Steel, which is the most famous and accessible okay. album. And then if you like that, move on okay. to others. Yeah. And Riaz, what have you been listening to? Uh, I've been listening to a lot okay. of um, Childish Gambino. Right. And uh, yeah, some, some old school Childish Gambino. And um, I also have been listening to basically searching for random synthwave. Mm-hmm. Which is my newest thing is just to kind of find some good synthwave. Um, okay. I recently got this thing. It's called a Pocket Operator. Uh, it's by this company called Teenage Engineering, and so it looks like a little uh, little Casio oh, wow. calculator, but it's actually a, a beatbox machine. And they make like thirty eight mm-hmm. of them. So I have, um, I think, the thirty third one that they made. And uh, with it, you can just sort of like you know pump out a little mm-hmm. beat. Um, but it sounds very synthy and yeah. And so I don't know. I just, I've just been listening to like right, really right. random people mm-hmm. <laughs> that, are, that are using either, either these pocket operators or, or some right. like, you know, better known people that are doing yeah. kind of fake eighties music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then when I want some like more, you know, known stuff, right. I've been listening to Childish Gambino. Yeah, I've actually listened to Childish Gambino for a long time. It's it just now he's popular. I never thought he would. Be, yes. but I, I used to watch the guy uh, mm-hmm. Donald Glover on like Community, and uh, and then when he became a musician, I was just I don't know. It was like um, sort of an mm-hmm. interesting thing for him to do, and so I I started being curious about that, and and then yes, and then when I kind of like listened to his stuff, it was just so so good. You know. Agreed. Agreed. Um, two questions. Uh, one question is: um, yep. So, are you familiar with the? Um, I, I want to say they're called like eight-bit um, dance music. So, what they do is like they take. Uh, uh, I guess when Nintendo was when the music was made for the original eight-bit Nintendo system, and I believe also with the Sega. I forget the name of the first Sega prior. The Master System. The Master System. They had yeah, yeah. like a, a format for you know. Uh, constructing 8-bit music because, you know, they just couldn't get those complex kind of instruments in there. And there's all these internet artists that have taken those 8-bit sound creation systems and made dance music out of it. Are you familiar with that With that kind of... Um... You know, I tried to listen to some... Um, I do like sort of like uh, 
stuff like yeah. that. But I've I listened to stuff that's some people take it very strictly. Right. Like they use the original hardware. They they just only play that music, Ooh. and um, it's hard yeah. for me to get into it right, when it's right. so 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 harsh. But what I love is when someone takes something old and remixes it with something new. Mm -hmm. So if you take, and I don't know, I, I don't know if this jazz music is like that, but if you take sort of some of the 8-bit sounds and then add some modern noise to yeah. it, um, some yeah. modern kind of like beats in the background, I, that's my, that's you know, my if you jam. Like that, I uh, love that. It's sort of, yeah. I feel the same way about visual stuff too. If it's like a mixture of like 16-bit right. um, kind of mm -hmm. graphics, but with some like modern processing power doing crazy stuff that you could <laughs> never do with the yeah. old yeah, systems. Yeah. Like that stuff is yeah. amazing to me. Uh, Russell, sorry, you were going to say something. Oh yeah, I said I actually have a recommendation for you guys. Uh, the British artist called Labyrinth. He was a huge fan of Mario uh, okay. Brothers music. So he has this whole album where the tracks are like, you know, very video game 8-bit mixed with new. Mm -hmm. So you probably, if you like that, you probably like that quite a lot. So. Yeah, that's a very, uh, that's again, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, just to uh, tie it all back in to what Ahmed was listening to and to what you were listening to, I recall like in the mid O's, uh, there's a group of guys that had started, like it was a heavy metal scene. It was very small, um, very little exposure. And I think it's probably died out by now is that they took those themes from these 8-bit machines and started making heavy metal covers of them. <laughs> That's so nerdy, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like Z L uh, the Zelda theme, the Double Dragon. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Zelda is perfect for that. Like heavy metal Zelda, mm -hmm. I would totally listen. To oh that. yeah, I've heard like heavy metal like Crazer songs. Yeah, yeah, on the, on yeah. the web. Well, yeah, yeah cool. and I think uh, Rasul, that was one of your favorite games. What did you um? Have, what did you... The favorite game. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Hold on, hold on. I, really? Please, the? Yeah. Are we throwing Act, Act Razor out of the top? Act Razor is number one for me, man. Always will be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel? Uh, was the songs really – Were they? did they sound like the uh, the game itself? Uh, yeah. I mean, that game uh, had uh, award-winning music anyway. Like, okay, okay. orchestra and stuff. Mm -hmm. so, um, so anytime anyone covers it, it's always easy to, like – you know, cover the compositions are really good, right. so it always sounds good. Whether it's rock, whether it's orchestra, mm -hmm. um, so I was, yeah, I was happy with it, man. Okay, all right, awesome. Um, so now uh, let's. Uh, are you ready, guys, to move on to our subject? Or yep, sure. So I'll start off with our guest, uh, Riaz. Uh, when did you hear this album? I uh, it's it's almost like mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> I think I heard it somewhere around like when I was like nine or ten, maybe, but pretty right. pretty early on, I think. Um, I think maybe within like a probably right. a year or two after it came out, because that's that's how things were back then. You didn't find out about things right away. You it, you sort of stumbled upon it. Um, I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. I heard it at some. Um, yes. Some of these like parties that our parents went to in the background. And and then it was everywhere, you know, like it was just every you couldn't escape it. Um, and then eventually, you know, it became one of the first like cassettes that we owned and ended up in the house. And, and I, I listened to this thing to death. So, right. Um, kind of really, really early on. I think the thing that really struck me was the pervasiveness of it. You could not escape listening to Vital Signs if you were a Pakistani kid in the 90s. Um, 
So now, uh, Rasul, how about you? Was this about the same time? Yeah, roughly. I think I was a little older. I think I missed it. So I, uh, 11 or 12. Um, and uh, my brother used to play it all the time. So that's how I remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, it was like my first Vital Signs album. Like, I know you guys did. By the way, I'm a listener and fan of the show. So I listened to the first one. Uh, that right, you right. Did, and I realized yeah. like, oh, I heard these songs, but I never heard the album you know, end to end. So this was my first like Vital Science album. We skipped, uh, we skipped volume one somehow in our household. Right. Couldn't, right. Af- couldn't afford both of them. <laughs> the Considering there are only 10 reals. I think, I think there's some kind of parent economy going on saying, yeah. you, don't you already have this? Yeah. <laughs> you can't, yeah. you can't get it. You can't get it again. Yeah. There's something yeah. like that going on. I think. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's exactly what, it's something that my parents would always say. Is like, don't you already have a Nintendo? Why do you need a Super Nintendo? I'm like, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. There's no understanding that it was different. It was like, it says Nintendo, you know? Yeah. Exactly. You have you have Use Your Illusion. What, what, what do you mean number two? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, uh, so you guys, and I heard it about probably when I was like 10 or 11, I can remember dates like I think it was like summer of '91 where I constantly played this album like back and forth, back and forth constantly. And um, I can't. I, I recall was this album released in '91 or '90? I can't recall that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. '91. Uh, I think it was '91. Yeah. yeah. So I actually listened to it right after it was released. So that's pretty. That's pretty nifty. But I had gotten it from a friend of mine whose brother came back from Pakistan and he had brought all these audio tapes and then I got it and he made a copy of it. And then, mm. yeah. That was true. That was true love, right? Yeah. Someone making a copy for yeah, you. Yeah. That was a sign of friendship and like, you know, it was a signal for all these yeah. things. I had made my own mixtapes and uh, I never, I gave them to Ahmed to borrow, not to give. So I guess I didn't love Ahmed Rasul all that much. Yeah, no, that that's very clear. <laughs> if he did it, if he didn't make him his own big yeah, tape. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last episode of Tom uh, Rock City. No, but but you but you have it was a good sign of yeah. a bro, right? Like you're like, hey, hey, you make your own copy. I yeah, trust yeah. you. You know. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's uh, that's how I got into <laughs> it, and um, I did, uh, and like I said, it was like a sound that Vital Signs One and Vital Signs Two was the soundtrack of my summer in '91. And I was in pretty much 92 as well for a long time. The early 90s was definitely filled with vital signs. Okay, so now that we've got that, uh, so I'm going to start with where we left off with the Vital Signs 1 album and getting into Vital Signs 2. And then I'm going to, you know, like um, I have some specific questions for both of you guys relating to it. So after we saw the success of uh, Vital Signs 1, I would not say like a runaway success in 1989. Um, you know, and I think me and Rasul touched on this before. There's a drama series as well. Uh, uh, Ahmed Rasul, do you remember the name of the drama at all? Because it's slipping my mind. Uh, no, I can't recall. But I believe you watched it too, right? Yeah, yeah I checked it out afterwards just to see what it was all about. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty bad. <laughs> the, yeah. There was a drama series? Yeah, there was a yeah. drama. I must have missed yeah. that. It was how, terrible, man. How was it? <laughs> It was really bad. It was. Not- was it all the? Was it all of them just pretending to be themselves, like in yeah. in life? Yeah, yeah. Or- they're, they're playing vital signs. 
they're playing vital so they're playing themselves they're like hey studio jana hai da 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 so all that kind of stuff <laughs> it was <laughs> that sounds like they can't even bother to make a story or something you know play doctors or something or no why would why would they, why what a what a pakistani auntie thing to say why would you say doctors <laughs> is that the only profession that's worth anything to you so no it's because one of the junoon guys started off in a drama as a doctor yeah, yeah. that's why that came <laughs> That's actually true. Aliya Smith is that doctor was uh, yeah, Aliya yeah. I remember right, that. Yeah. Dr. Khushbak oh, yeah, yeah. something if I remember correctly. <laughs> Why do I know this? Yeah, I you know what? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm a happily married man, but that drama there was a there was an actress in it. I had a mad crush on her. Is this is this the moment where we get your marriage in trouble? Can no, I? no, no. I I think she was like significantly older than me. And, oh, okay, you know, okay. All right, we're good. Okay. We're yeah, good. Yeah. Nothing nothing weird is going to happen. I thought I thought Aliazo looked pretty rad in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, vital signs t- oh, so this is the thing though. I feel like uh musicians crossing over into dramas. Like I've seen that even happen more recently. This is right. like a this is like a a Pakistani trope. You're now a a fankar, a a, a Uh, a muser of people so therefore you can access all these other venues perhaps yeah but i think it could be viewed in a different way is for them it was probably viewed as like hey this is another vehicle to market ourselves and our albums and concerts as well oh okay yeah. so it was a way for them to be kind yeah. of noticed and yes. found do you think do you think they were yeah. concerned about that in the beginning i guess they were they were very different right Yeah there's interesting thing was they didn't record videos mm-hmm. for a while so their videos all came out at all at once like 3 4 years after the first yeah. album um they they did like a tour of the country they made videos in like different mm-hmm. cities and they released it all on one TV TV show like a program and it's on YouTube you can check it out i actually saw it mm-hmm. <laughs> saw it all like uh, about a year ago yeah. very interesting so for the first like, couple of years there was like no videos nothing so i think they were just trying to look for ways to get themselves Right. Out there, you know. What was the name of this program? It showed them making videos and stuff. Uh, I'm not sure. It was on my uh, Facebook on the Islamabad Rock City Facebook group. Um, I posted it. Once, okay. So well, we'll find, find it. it but actually, show. I know the name. It was called Guitar Ninety Three. Yeah. Oh, that, Guitar Ninety Three. Because I was actually that summer I was in Pakistan, and um, they had debuted all those songs. Like I. Still recall like it was right after uh, Khabarnama, <laughs> and they would show these uh, they would show these videos, <laughs> yeah. and um, you know like I I thought you know we you know again the dissemination of information I was like oh these videos might have been there forever but they really weren't this is they were just releasing them right now yeah you had no you had no way to find like you know more credible information mm-hmm. it was either whatever you made up in your yeah. head or what your friends friends cousin knew. yeah you know i like i had all this like myth around vital signs and some of the album stuff too that i'll get into but but i think yeah you you had no way of knowing how long things yeah. had been there they just appeared and then they were pervasive yeah. right so so people were it was all word of mouth yes. i think and i think even now as far as collecting the history like because prior to doing the podcast i did do my research on it and just the lack of information there is on what was going on during that time is i wouldn't say it's mind boggling but it's still um you know i mean you have to fill in the gaps and go on i'm sorry 
Oh, I was just going to say, what a great opportunity for like doing some kind of uh, uh, a research documentary on early vital signs or early yeah. vital signs. So, yeah. Right? It's a shrouded in mystery. Yeah, and so the- much of it is. So much of it is. Um, Ahmed, um, did, as you've seen, so did you, this was the first time you saw Guitar 93, uh, Ahmed Rasul I was talking to, uh, or you've seen these, these videos prior to this, uh, the YouTube? Um, so I've seen some of the mm-hmm. videos before, like just in Pakistan, you know, um, but, uh, in terms of seeing the whole thing all at once, right. um, yeah, it was definitely last year right. was the first time. And I, and I think, yeah, that's, uh, they were, I never saw the whole thing, Guitar 93 in, in its entirety. Until the YouTube thing, yeah. Because the interesting thing is, uh, yeah, like I was just gonna say that Salman Ahmed left, right? So by the time the videos were made, he was uh, he was gone. So like Rizwan al Haq was like playing his parts in the video. Oh wow! Okay, so that's why I never realized that he was part of the band until yeah. way later. You know, um, because he, yeah, he was yeah. never represented by the time that they were. You didn't see him, yeah. Only heard him. You know, imagine a world where he's like the the fifth Beatle. You know, he's like the guy who never gets known. It's so amazing that he went off, did his own thing, and that became as big, if not bigger, than Vital Signs. That must have been that rivalry. Must have been something else. Yeah, yeah they were actually quite friendly with each other because I read um, his uh, Salman Ahmed's biography recently. It's called yeah, Rock yeah. and Roll Jihad. It's really good. I recommend it. And he talks some about about the Vital Signs days right, right. and the Junoon days and everything. So, um, yeah, they were actually quite friendly with each other, like, according to him. Um, but obviously, it was just a change of a uh, difference of musical opinion that caused him to leave. Okay. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the questions I had. Um, Ahmed, uh, and I'll start with Ahmed Rasul. Ahmed Rasul, did you notice the difference uh, between the guitar playing of Salman versus Rizwan al-Haq in this album? I did. Uh, to be honest, like, when this album first came out when I was a kid, I didn't really pay attention to it. Okay. Um, so it's actually quite recently I started listening to uh, Vital Signs 2 in its entirety, like track to track. Right. And um, yeah, you can definitely see a difference. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, you know, one is obviously more rock and roll and one has more pop sensibilities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that difference is apparent and clear. So it is what right. it is, man. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like album two was, you know, there's definitely elements to it that are like a... Hey, we have a we have a winning formula. Let's let's redo some of these songs, right? Yeah, um, it, yeah it feels yeah. like there's like a little bit of a um, building on top of whatever they thought was popular mm-hmm. or whatever was popular at the time, right? And I think that shows with the the band members that they chose as well, I'm right? Sure. Um, and this is directed towards you, and in what you were talking right back about it, uh, Riaz, was the production. Did you feel that the production compared to Vital Signs 1 and 2 is infinitely superior or it was, uh, you know, just on par? So first of all, I want to say, you know, I I, I love the fact that, you know, uh, you're pausing between calling us Riaz and Rasul because I tell people that keep coming up to me and saying, this is complete aside. People keep coming up to me and saying like, why do you go by Riaz? And I tell them, you know, there was a time when I was younger where it was a lot easier. And every I used to I used to go to school in this place where everyone was called yeah. Ahmed. And they look at me like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> They're like, what is this place? I'm like, no, no, no. If you said Ahmed on a street, like eight out of ten people will look around. Right. <laughs> 
Right, right. <laughs> no, you guys understand, but no one else does. So I feel so validated in this moment. It's wonderful. You know, I feel like, yes, I'm not insane. It is a thing. There is a reason why I, I'm called Riaz and yeah. not Ahmed. Uh, I completely forgot your question. I was no, just no, enjoying no. that moment. So I was asking, was like, um, as far as production was concerned, um, did you feel that the production for this album was a... Uh, superior or just on par compared to Vital Signs 1? I, um, like I said, I, I never listened mm-hmm. to the whole Vital Signs 1 album until I yep. heard your guys' podcast. And then when I went back and listened to it and I realized yeah. how good it was. You know, I always thought of it as completely bubblegum type of music. Um, yeah. At least, you know, like, I, I had a particular dislike of right. Dil Dil Pakistan because... It was the song yeah. that everyone would sort of sing vocally, like a whole crowd would chant it, and it just annoyed the hell out of me. And so I had, a, I think I had an aversion and a hatred. And I, I when I heard, when I, I gave it like yeah, yeah. 30 years of forgiveness, and then I heard the beginning of Dil, Pakistan, with the, with the double or triple, yeah, yeah. like the D-D-D-Dills, I was like, oh, damn, right. this is really well produced. This is really good. And um, I would say, having listened to that recently and then listening to two, okay. it is on par. Like, they're very much right, playing right. in their safe zone at this point, saying, okay, we have done something unbelievable. We've made mm-hmm. pop music popular in Pakistan. And uh, how can we, <laughs> how can we uh, you know, um, make... Continue, continue yeah. and also maybe some people we've offended. How can right. we do do better to sing yeah. songs to make them feel? Yeah, how can so it's it's like very. I feel like it's very much on their mind. So, but mm-hmm. the music quality, the experimentation, it's it's on par. But the, I would also say the first album right. is a lot better than. Now, here's the third question that I have for you guys, and this I found, I don't know, I kind of found it a bit troubling. At the same time, I understood where they're coming from. And that was Pepsi's influence. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the Vital Signs 2 cover, it's got the colors of Pepsi on it. If you see the videos from Guitar 93, and Guitar 93 actually falls into Vital Signs 3. So, But the videos that were taken from songs from, from Vital Signs 2, there is that ominous presence of Pepsi in every... Video, so and uh, so. Uh, I don't know. Not every video, like some of the videos. Okay. I've seen it all, so I don't know. Uh, now, uh, so how do you how do you feel with it? How do you feel about that uh, Pepsi? Like because they they make drinks, and now all of a sudden they're into mm. the whole yeah. you know marketing and and um, you know funding for rock right. and roll bands. I, I kind of found it funny. Like um, I remember this ad about uh, Pepsi, where instead of Dil Dil Pakistan, at the end they go Pepsi, Pepsi Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. So I always found that hilarious. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember. I remember yeah. that too. So whenever I sing that song, I always finish with Pepsi, Pepsi, and everyone looks at me like I'm crazy, like they don't remember the ad or something. Like the, yeah, old, yeah. the younger guys, you know, but the older cousins and stuff, they like start laughing. So. I just thought it was funny, man. Whatever. <laughs> They're like, hey, this guy, this guy really likes Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He thinks it's as good as Pakistan. <laughs> it's the best drink. I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to me, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a throwback to 
like old television, you know, when shows yeah, were like, well, old television for the rest, rest of the world, but for Pakistan uh, and India, I think I always think about uh, close up on Takshari. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and more recently, Coke Studio. I feel like the, without these yeah, sponsors go, Studio, yeah. being so old school, yeah. you would uh, you would never you know you'd never yeah, get yeah you would never get funded. And I think these guys. I think the idea of like you're going to make money and you're not a doctor. Yeah. Hell, he was he couldn't even afford to be a doctor on the, his own TV yeah. show. So I feel like the idea that you you can't. Uh, you can't do this as a profession was probably top of mind. And they were trying to get anything mm-hmm. done to like, you know, do this right. full time. So to me, I think it's actually a sign of right. entrepreneurship and no, oh, if they had to put, I didn't even notice there were the Pepsi logo on the cover. And I looked at it all like the last two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think if they found a way to do it and, and get some cash, yeah. good on and them. And again, you know, I mean, even though I did find it troubling, I mean, like, Right after this album was released, they went on a huge, massive international tour, which consisted of uh, UK and the United States. And um, they themselves could not afford it. They couldn't even afford touring in Pakistan itself. So the funding came from Pepsi. Pepsi got them to, you know, okay, we'll get you in these hotels. We'll get you, you know, we'll get you set up across all over UK and the United States. Get your concerts going. All this kind of stuff. It came from them. So... And that's you're absolutely right because you know I mean you can't you can't have that kind of ethos to say okay I want my artistic credibility but somebody's gotta somebody's gotta fund this because it's it's not gonna work yeah beggars can't be choosers in other words exactly yeah and and I and I feel like you know if you look at um, Rohil like he's kept the whole like soft drink yeah, yeah. sponsorship alive right like this is this is the thing that got him started and this is the thing that's keeping him. Uh, involved with Coke Studio, so I think um, I don't know. I, I yeah. think it's I think it's fine as long as it's not like at least they didn't do like Pepsi brings you Vital Signs on their album, right? At the beginning of the if if something yeah. like that happened, it was on the cassette. Yeah. That would be the thing that would annoy me. Yeah, or in yeah. the lyrics, that would have been fun. <laughs> if there was a version that ended Pepsi Pepsi Pakistan <laughs> on the album, on the record. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't notice because I never. I only heard it at parties sung by uncles. I and never. <laughs> you know what? It's really funny that you guys say that print. because I actually, I think at the end of Vital Signs Two, the copy that I had did have that Pepsi Pepsi Pakistan <gasps> on it. No wonder you're so pissed <laughs> off about it because I would then. That is that is my line. You no wonder I agree with you completely. If that is if that is a line you crossed at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. And you know, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, before we get into the uh, before we get into the uh, entire discussion of the album, and I want to add two things to it. That um, I don't know. I, there was a, actually a shift in songwriting and the song production as well. From Vital Signs One to Two, there was a darker tone to it, a more uh, surrealist kind of approach to it. And when they came into the studio to record Vital Signs Three, mm. Pepsi had pressured them to make an album that was closer to Vital Signs One. And less melancholy oh, and wow. less. Um, so that's, I mean, but again, that subject matter is for, you know, that itself is for Vital Science 3 album. But as of right now, I did want to bring that up that it's, they had that kind of, you know, a power. And, and one more thing I wanted to add was that this particular album, Vital Science 2, Pepsi again pressured them make an album. 
you I want while this you know while the the the, the proverbial the steel is still hot make that yeah, album yeah well that's that's very telling and and the one or two really experimental songs that are there yeah I mean they're they you can tell that they're yeah. they seem almost out of place you know you know speaking of that there's um one thing that's disappointing is there's actually four songs which are like parts of our copied from uh, like uh, English mm-hmm. songs. Um, but we'll get into it when we go track yeah. by track. I mean, not the whole song, but like sometimes just the chorus right. or a certain uh, part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never understood that Royal, Royal uh, Hayat being so, you know, such a good producer, why he had to do that. Cause he carried that in, uh, you know, Etabar is one of their most famous songs from mm-hmm. the third album. And it's uh, Phil Collins groovy kind of love. It's almost oh. like I didn't want to know that, but when I found out, I was kind of heartbroken. Yeah. I was like, "No!" But I don't care anyway because, like, the song still yeah. sounds great because Junaid's voice is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nine ten. But I just didn't understand mm-hmm. the need. Maybe it was that pressure, like, to make an album or something. I'm I'm gonna agree with you on that, Amother Soul, because I really do feel that 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 pressure. You know, like, okay, make an album, and then you know, the the time was pressed because again, um, I did get to see this like. I got to see this interview. It was called Tw- Cell 247 or Cell 237. So it's kind of like this hardline interview process and they did with Junaid Jamshid. And um, it was it was kind of... Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you oh, know... The bald guy. Right, right. Yeah. So they were doing these interview process and they were talking to him about, uh, you know, production and, you know, things of the album. And it was, it was that sense that they had to make an album... And they were under that pressure. They were under the gun. And I think that's what they did. They just said, okay, you know what? We'll just kept, kept, take a couple of melodies from these, this song, that song, and go from there. Cool. So, uh, should we uh, get into the album? Yeah, let's Sounds get into good. it. Cool. So the first song was uh, Samali Saloni. So there's a history behind that. So I don't know if you guys want to take over and explain why that song uh, was made, which is quite funny. I find it funny. I, I want to hear your. I want to hear that because I think you know it better than I, we do. Uh, I think Riaz knows as well, but I mean, I can, yeah. I can share. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can share sort of my my feeling about it. It's like it sounds. It feels like um, um, so f- for for people who haven't heard the first album, there's a song there called yep. "Gore Rangda mm-hmm. Zamana," which is uh, can, what can we say? Like oh, to fair uh, fair skinned uh, women, basically. Yep. You know. Yes, yes. So that that's what it means. Um, but it, I was gonna say that it's a obsession of South Asians to have fairer skin. Yeah, uh, their products that you can buy called Fair and Lovely that you put mm-hmm. on, and you know all that stuff. So it must have been well in swing in the nineties, and they were like, "Oh yeah, let's make a song. This is gonna age really well. Let's make a <laughs> song that's about how it's the time of." Of being fair skinned, right? And it must have pissed off a lot of people. It did. There were <laughs> lots of uh, complaints, and uh, they used to call com- in, call in, and complain too. Wow. So. Yeah, it, it quite quite rightly. So the first the first song in their new album is basically an apology. It says, "Hey, hey, hey, yeah. we like we like Sanli Saloni, which yeah, is like dark skinned, yeah." yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, we like dark skinned girls too, man. <laughs> and so it's very. It's so, I just find it really funny, man. Like mm-hmm. there was a video and everything, and how quickly they made it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. So it feels like it feels like someone got in trouble somewhere, and they had to like really <laughs> take a step back and be like, "Okay, guys, first song, we really gotta apologize about this. Gordon, <laughs> we, we, right. we did the wrong thing, and uh, maybe maybe we're accidentally racist on the side." Yeah. So. Na America, na Japan ke hum hai diwane multan ke. 
Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. In a way, they were also saying like, hey, we got some fair-skinned people too. <laughs> there were yeah. a lot of problems with that song. So I think I think the beginning the beginning they were not as strong as the the triple D bill yeah. <laughs> starting more like a hey 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 guys let's just clear up a little bit we're really sorry <laughs> and, and that's the first song I think in saying that I really like the song anyway yeah it's a, it's a good song it is but I can't listen to it without right, right, laughing right. At yeah. the history of it. I, I absolutely cannot devoid myself of like laughing at them and being like, oh, you got yelled right. at and you wrote this um, song. Yeah. I, I have, I'm actually, I could take it or leave it. That's how I felt about the song. Um, you know, I, I again, it didn't okay. have a huge impact. Like I did, again, I did listen to it constantly and consistently. But then I was like a 12 year old, 11 year old kid, you know, so that says a lot as well. But yeah, I, I you know what? I didn't really. Um, I didn't really uh, take too much out of it, and um, I, I think I, I see the comedic aspects of it now, like especially the Nahahem America ke nabo Japan ke, and now I think like, oh, Junaid must not be a <laughs> fan of uh, Japanese street fashion, I guess. <laughs> I, I think he was just saying like, let's let's bring yeah, it back yeah. to Pakistan. Let's just really clarify, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, let me just really clarify because that he. You wanted to maybe be like, look, I don't yeah. want to make another yeah. mistake with Sali Saladi. Yeah. So what can we do? Can we, can we call out everyone in Pakistan? Now that I hear your like, now that I hear both of you guys' opinion, now it just it means something different. Now, now it changes everything. At, at least for me, that's my takeaway now. Like now, when I listen to it, I'll be like, oh wow. You can laugh now. Yeah, I can actually laugh now. Yeah. That's how I felt when you told me your album had, like, you know, brought to you by Pepsi. It changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how could they? What's wrong with them? No, you know what? I, when I when I was a kid, I actually liked the Pepsi theme. I thought it was kind of cool. And um, but as I grew older, I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Growing up, I don't know about you guys, but I was all, yeah, all Pepsi over Coke, right? That was the only, yeah, that was, that was the drink. All Pepsi, <laughs> all Pepsi yeah. product. Yeah. So basically, basically, it was it was like your your buddy yeah, sponsored. It was okay something. with me. It was fine. Okay. Uh, so moving on to Mera Dil. Mm. So this was the one. Uh, yeah, for me, it was, yeah, yeah. Go on. So I was just gonna say this is the first overtly political song they've ever had. Really? Yeah. really? Do you, you know what Miradil available means, what? right? What? Uh, no. It's a love song about how you're yeah, you're emotionally unavailable? No, 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 no. This is actually a song about like uh Pakistan's you know, like we as Pakistanis not wanting American interference in Southeast Asia. That we're not a bit, we're not for sale. This is an anti colonial or American expansionism song. What what is your what is your like uh, proof for this knowledge that you're dropping on us? Uh, well, I've th- okay. So it's two parts. Actually, it's two parts. So I've known this for like for two decades because I remember in school we had a project where the teacher said bring in songs that have overtly sexist, misogynistic, racist kind of or anti-something kind of, uh, you know, 
elements to it. So people brought in Guns N' Roses as first, uh, uh, you know, one of their Guns N' Roses song, One in a Million. People brought in all these other things. And then... Uh, yeah, people brought in Good It, Good It, like that's about uh, it. <laughs> No, actually, a guy brought in this song. And this was the song. He said, uh, mm-hmm. you know what? Uh, it's an overt anti-American uh, song. And he brought it in for that class. And I knew about it from then on. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's really about like, you know, it's tongue in cheek, actually. It's very tongue in cheek. And uh, that's what they're, it's a, it's a political song. Um, I, I know, you man. can actually, you know what, um, <laughs> you can uh, do, you can read up on it. It There is uh, research available. There are, um, there is information okay. on it on Google. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. I'll yeah. Know. So if you. I, I will, so I'll add something that can either mm-hmm. strengthen this. I, I would want sure. to see more research, but, but there, there's a, there's a song later on that's basically was, um, uh, sponsored again, they were looking for sponsorship that was sponsored yes. by the air force. And I know that's because, um, yeah. Yeah. this is a, this is a story again, like you, the way you got information, mm-hmm. I had an uncle of mine that, um, not a real uncle, yeah, like yeah. a friend uncle of mine that, that, uh, worked oh, with them wow. and, and was part of the media in the Air Force. Wow! And um, they they helped sponsor that Air Force song. Which one? Which one was it? it was the one with the um, SNA? SNA. 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 Yeah. I just think of it as the Air Force song. <laughs> it's got great riffs and uh, and uh, a great. So I think they have, the Air Force. If you look at the music video, you can tell the Air Force had to be involved because basically it's all like classified footage for the planes flying around. So they they definitely had some yeah. kind of like army connection. Now, if that can sort of be extrapolated into a connection through or a, yep. some deeper thinking around politics, mm-hmm. maybe right. Um, I think I think right. that would be super interesting if um, that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, it was um, so that was my takeaway from Miradil, and it was a very interesting song. And I just wanted to add one thing that in this particular class, the mm-hmm. teacher had stopped doing this project once he heard Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style, and he said, "That's it." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was sort of—he's sort of asking for it, right? He's got a challenge. Look, was this a class on music or what was? Well, it was—it was a class on culture and media, and um, I remember, like you know, for a long time, this class—it was going on in ninety ninety one—and I had taken the class, and then he inter- and my sister was in the the the, pre- the next year class, so these oh, kids so in high school, not college. Oh my god! No, 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 no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, it was not in college. So oh, this wow. was still actually middle school. So my sister, my sister told me like, oh, yeah, they brought in uh, some guy brought in Snoop Dogg and a lot of kids brought in Snoop Dogg, and he's yeah, like, that's it. we're not doing this, uh, we're not doing this project anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think he just didn't, wasn't aware of what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, he kept uh, confusing his name as Snoopy Dog or Snop or something, and he's like, I, that's it, we're not doing this project. Oh, anymore. yeah, Snoopy Snoop Doggy Dogs. Yeah, yeah. that was that's it. Okay. So yeah, so um yeah, so now both so this is both news to both of you guys. Yeah, I thought you guys both already knew. Uh, I'm still processing, frankly, the news that you gave me. Uh, to me, this was a song that was like uh, bubblegum love song intro. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, my uh, my 
brain yeah. is jumbled right now. Because, <laughs> well, I'll tell you sort of like, as I was listening to, after I, you know, after Salmoni Saloni, which is basically a throwaway, Mirabel, the next couple of songs, basically taught me, you know, what mm-hmm. what it was like to to be in love. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was listening to this and I was like, why did I listen to this this much? And I was like, oh yeah, for like a young, young boy, this is like the idea of like, oh, this is, this is like, this, this is totally like a guide to like how to be in love and like to like love people, you know, because it gets pretty deep. It's almost like an instruction manual. That's how I treated it. And so it started yeah. off by being like, you know, you got to be coy. You got to say no, no, no. <laughs> you know, and then Ajna B is like, oh, but I don't know you. You're like a stranger, right? <laughs> and then it gets really creepy when it's like, uh, Paz Rehna. Paz Rehna is a really creepy song. Right. It's like, oh, now I'm dead. <laughs> and you can't, you can never forget me, you know? So there's all this, to me, it was like all these like little moments. <laughs> Naraz was like, oh, what if, you know, the, the girlfriend's like with you, yeah. And then, yeah, then you get depressed and join the Pakistani Air Force. <laughs> then you join the Pakistani Air Force, and I guess you can you can join it softly, slowly too, saying like, "Hey, it's okay if your girlfriend's like a little bit softly. Like, right. Don't worry. Don't be don't be like racist like that, buddy. Don't 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 think about album one, album two. It's all about inclusivity. You know. You know. Uh, uh, I laugh. I laugh. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, just saying that, Ahmed, uh, Riaz mentioned Ajnabi. I guess we should talk about that track. Yeah. It's quite a good one. Yeah, I like Ajnabi as well. Um, lyrically, again, it was a, I, I think it was a much of a much more of a melancholy kind of song. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. Ajnabi is like my favorite song mm-hmm. in the whole track, uh, in the whole album. Yeah. Is, it's like a, like after the first two, you get hit by this deep melancholy and you right. weren't expecting it. It was, it's, it was great. I would, yeah. I would play that yeah. thing again and again. Song. I even found it like yeah. in multiple parts of my mm-hmm. life yeah. just to listen to again. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news or anything, but uh, it's actually a copy of a song called "Girl on the Moon" by Foreigner. Uh, oh no! So, so I listen. So I listen. I listened to that inspired, by and I didn't. I didn't really hear it. Yeah, oh, it, it felt good. like uh, maybe some inspiration, but it wasn't like a direct copy. No, not in direct, my not listening. Right. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes you hear things that are like, oh my God, this is, you know, this is like a vanilla ice moment, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah right. But, uh, yeah, that uh, now, uh, going back to it, um, and and going back, like how both of you guys said that, did you guys always do that? Like, uh, listen to the album in latter parts of your life as well? Oh, this one for sure. Yeah. I, I sought it. Because it, to, to me, it mm-hmm. like reminded me of like simpler times in Pakistan and and some of these songs they, even right now like when i listen to them i don't i can't even i don't right. have your memory where it takes me back to a date and time and you know i'm i'm a i'm a young k9 in in shorts speaking out of my bedroom listening to, watching tv but um, to me it's like it definitely invokes a feeling right. of like romanticism or wanting to be romantic uh, and then Right. You know, for Ajna be like that, oh my, it, it's yeah. instant. It's with that water start, like the fact that they play that watery start. And then and then there's, it's got this left-right stereo thing, which I didn't probably hear in the beginning, but later on it just kind of like really brought so much to this. Right. And then when it hits the whole, like, Ajab, like the slowness of it is right, so... Right, right, right. I, I think it was like 
having a familiar like comfort food like that's the feeling that i have and it had different like when i was younger it was more like this is what it's going to be like and later on it was like oh yeah this is you know this is like either a memory of a, a time past or you know it even it even was uh music therapy in right, some ways right. i'm sure um and you know uh before starting the to um before listening to this particular album i knew that rohill was very influenced by pink floyd's um the wall and I went back and Fleetwood Mac also. Oh, Fleetwood Mac. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, so just for that oh, one, wow. I did go back and listen to The Wild prior to listening to this album and try to pick up on that. And I would say Ajnabi is probably the closest thing to that because, again, what you had reminded me of, like, you know, the left-right stereo going on and, um, you know, and yeah. um, the just like the Pink Floyd sound. Uh, uh, Amit did you feel the same way that you could see some similarities between this and uh, or? Uh, no, like like I said, it's sad, but it's it is a lift of that foreigner song. Like I believe, uh, I believe that. I mean, that's what's reported. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he takes little parts from different bands. I mean, not just Pink Floyd and Fleetwood <laughs> Mac. Um, so, for example, the last track has actually quite a weird. Um, okay influence like don't fear the reaper right. so yeah um so but you know aside from that yeah i love the song itself you know and i don't really care like if parts of it lifted or inspired it's good enough for me you know what i mean and uh, i like the next song quite a lot too Tere Lie, uh, yeah, Tere Lie. my favorite song yeah it's one of my favorite as well so uh, i guess Rias too right you like the song yeah, I mean it, it's definitely up there. Um, not as much as I like Ajnabi, but but it's definitely a good, a great song that it is. Now, any of you guys ever heard the acoustic version of Terelier? You know, I feel like I have. I, I there was a album I had of Vital Signs, just acoustic versions, and if I remember correctly, the acoustic wait, one wait, was wait. So really it was an good. entire album of acoustic songs. I might be making this up in my head, but I feel like there was like an entire album of acoustic versions of Vital Sign songs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I had an album that only had two um, live and slash acoustic versions, and um, it was in Vital Signs Four, which I, that was not the name of the album, but um, it was in the fourth album, and it was at the end of the album, like a bonus track. You know, maybe I'm just confusing that album four just felt more acoustic right, right. to me. That could be the case. Because if I remember correctly, like in album four, so can we kind of talk about just like in album one and two, like they're really into some, you know, like my love of synthwave, like they're just like, they're mm-hmm. popping some beats on some electronic right. devices, you know? And I think there was something that happened, you know, in future albums where they yes. just took a step back from that heavily. Yeah, and so this might have been me overinflating that because to me, like that was like a, a wow moment to be like, oh, you can make this kind of music, but right. with like acoustic yeah. instruments, you know. I was also secretly right. a big fan of Nirvana Unplugged around that time, so yeah, I might be conflating some of these things where I'm like, oh, if this sounds like this, they must have done like an, a Nirvana unplugged yeah, I think that situation. Was it. Cause how else? Unless would I got so the uh, Japanese import edition of Humtum. <laughs> with the two, yeah. With the two live tracks. <laughs> Is there one? <laughs> oh, wow. 
Who knows? Who knows? You you have you still have that uh, rare like you know Pepsi sponsored. Cassette, yeah, so. and I think that was you know what I believe that was like the initial pressings of the album did contain the Pepsi song in it. Right. Yeah. There you go. It's yeah. rare. Limited. Yeah, edition. limited edition. Um, so now moving on to mm-hmm. Naraz. Yeah, this is actually my favorite mm-hmm. song, which is a bit left field, but uh, mm-hmm. once again, unfortunately, the chorus is uh, lifted. Uh, but only the the chorus is actually a guitar or a, like a beat, but the rest okay. of the song is original. So uh, yeah, this is my my favorite right. album. Yeah, and for me, it's like right after Ajnabi. I guess the more melancholy ones like really really hit hard. Um, yeah, and again, it's sort of like it's sort of an instruction manual on like yes, <laughs> you know, relationships. Uh, but it's but it's actually you know Naraz actually goes more than that. I think it's like mm-hmm. it's actually a song about forgiveness. You know. And it's just such a great, like, um, I guess the, there's a definitely an apology <laughs> theme to this album, but, but, but that, that, that song, like, lets me sort of like, feel like right. you know, they just did such a great job with it. Um, and uh, as you know, you know, sometimes Pakistani people can be very emotional and hold things to heart. And then this song is more like, it's okay. You know, we're all, we're all, we're, we're angry. We're far away. But those distances, mm-hmm. I guess that's the other thing about Naraz. It, it also talks about distances. And anything anything that talks about distances, I think, has been probably yeah. a, has a special place in my yeah. heart in terms of I, thematically I agree. what I agree the song with that, is doing. Especially the distance aspect of it. And um, this was reflective of, again, the uh, songs that were a bit more melancholy compared to the previous album. One, one more thing um, with Naraz. I think all the previous songs, you know... Mm-hmm. You have Junaid Jamshay, then his voice is amazing. But yeah. I think Naraz is where, like, it's, you know, it's just his voice. Like, his voice is just exceptional. I guess Ajnabi, mm-hmm. too. But Ajnabi has all this, like, left, right, up, down, right. like, all this, like, audio tricks. Naraz is like, there's no audio tricks. It's just his voice. Like, that could be him on a street mm-hmm. corner singing that song or just yeah. singing it to someone on a phone. And it would just be just as amazing, you know? Yeah, um, agreed on all these. Uh, moving on to Pasrehna. I didn't really dig this one, man, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, let's see. Yeah, Ahmed Rasul, I'd like to hear from you. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was okay. I didn't really like the song. Um, I don't know if it was like Riaz was saying earlier, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> also, kind of repetitive, you know, like Pasrehna. Yes. And then just keep saying it over and over again. So, it's like we get it, man. <laughs> the Pasrehna has some lines in it which are like, after I die, you still have to like remember me. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, exactly. You can right. never move Freaky, on. Right. <laughs> you know, it was. Get a t-shirt with my uh, picture on yeah, it. Yeah, it know? really creeped me out. I was like, "What?" From the airport. Yeah, I was like, "I cannot." Yeah, this is after he got Shahid from fighting in the air force. <laughs> it's out of order. It's the ghost. It's the ghost. Oh, we can't say this now that. Yeah. this is really creepy me out. Oh, yeah. but yeah it's a super creepy song man it's like the, everything about it the message the the way it's sung the way it sort of like gets in your head so basically we were listening to a concept album <laughs> <laughs> I if this might be my fault I treat everything like a concept album I'm listening to the lyrics and trying to find right. meaning in them whereas I think maybe you guys are listening more to the tunes uh but I no, I mean there is there's a theme in this. But yeah, I mean I think the the there are just some lines in Pasdana that that stopped me immediately, right? And the overall message was less like 
you can never let me go, which which is, you know, and he dies in the middle of the song, right, or, or right at the beginning. Uh, I really I used strange. to sing this song in the most inopportune places, and you know, like I would start singing the song, <laughs> like you know, like without control or for for humor, or I I think it was a little bit of A and a little bit of B. So yeah, yeah it's just an odd childlike teenage tick, and then it just grew to my twenties and. Now, unfortunately, also my 30s and 40s. So, you know, yes. So I did uh, I did do that with this song. Kenan, is this your favorite song? Um, did, we, no. did we ruin this? <laughs> that we don't like this? <laughs> do, we, do we have to you, record you know, it all? You guys call it like creepy themes, right? I have, If you've ever listened yeah. to Bollywood songs, they all have this theme. Like even when I die, you still got to love me. You can't let go of me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so uh, you're right and you're right like it has that creepy angle to it but you know this is us looking retrospectively uh but they were always there in all the bollywood songs that i grew up listening to or you know pop songs and i was like "Eh, it's just another song about you know you can't let go you you won't be able to let go you shouldn't let go so i just took it as that you know that's that's how i took it even in retrospective i look at it "Eh, whatever that's what it is you know you know that's a really good point like in 90s bollywood there was definitely these themes of like um not letting go overly kind of like this is how you this yeah. is how you did it you're like so passionate that you were crazy you know and even movies like mm-hmm. if i remember correctly it was called bazigar was really big back then with Shah khan and that was sort of this you know story of almost like a, yeah. a psychopath falling in love with a girl uh and it's just like yeah, he was a bad guy. He literally was murdering people, but it, everyone was like, "Oh, yeah. this is the this is it. This is the good stuff. The <laughs> yeah. real love story of being yeah. completely insane and being in love with someone." Um, so there were definitely those early '90s themes. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember if I found it creepy later or when I first heard it. It's really hard to tell, but it was yeah. it definitely wasn't a recent revelation. I think it was some, I, I, yeah. somewhere in the middle there. I was like, I think once you on, reflect, on, like once we start to establish you know, like uh, proper um, social cues and uh, you know social communications, that's when we look back at it retrospective. Like, wow, that's a really creepy song. Uh, now moving on to Nazar. Yeah, yeah again, uh, I like this song until I heard the chorus because I recognized it. It's actually like this really. Old 80s. Na, 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 I want to move my body. I guess you, you guys probably hear in old 80s films and stuff. Uh, yeah. So that that's the only part that ruined it for me. But otherwise, I, I like the song. Yeah, that's a good song. Mm-hmm. That's a good song. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have that knowledge. So for me, the song just sort of lulls you in, and then the chorus hits, and it's it's the chorus is so good. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I have to agree. It is uh, it's more of a dance number kind of deal, right? Yeah, it was. Just, I don't know who. Was it maybe like Gloria? I don't know if it was Gloria Estefan. It was like, na, 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 I want to move my body. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I, I, I've heard of the song. I know what you're talking about. It's just I can't remember where it came from. Sorry, I didn't bring this uh, copy stuff up, but I have to, like, yeah. be honest <laughs> with Royal Hayat. Uh, like, again, he didn't need to, but. Again, that was, that was, pretty, that was pretty good. Thing. Maybe back then he did need to. That's how he got good by copying a bunch of good people. Now he doesn't need to. Right, it could be the end. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Yeah, now he doesn't. No, no, no. Yeah, I think, and I think it's uh, again going back like the yeah. pressure from Pepsi. 
like make an album yeah well, it doesn't and matter so, i mean it was it was a good song anyway though right we all enjoyed it so that's fine yeah yeah we all enjoyed it and that's and that's the that's that's the most important part uh now moving to yad karna i like it i like this one yeah slow yeah. number right mm-hmm. again one of their ballads uh no i you know again i liked it not bad uh Again, I have so much connection to these albums, like, you know, from summer of 90, summer of 90, I mean, summer of 91 and 92, that um, it just, they're ominous with that. So it always takes me back to that. So it's a special, it's these, you know, when Ahmed starts reminding, oh, you know what, this is, this riff taken there, he slowly destroyed well, my childhood. Well, to dis- destroy <laughs> something else, too, I'm <laughs> okay. realizing that I'm confusing Pasana <laughs> with Yadkarna. Yadkarna was the one that I found super creepy. This is the memory thing. Boston yes, was Yad- like, oh, yeah, let's yeah. just hang out. Yeah. Yes, so we put all those comments. Because Yadkarna, where he's like, I'm dead. And you need to remember me. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I apologize. Those names are very similar. I never knew those names, you know, when yeah. I listened to the songs. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah Yadkarna was the one that really creeped me out. And then Boston was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pasarena was fine. Yadkarna was. Now I have to agree with you that, yeah, that was good. It was a bit, um, hmm, okay. Yeah. So, and I think it's a, it's, I think it's a, it's a song that reflects like, you know, after they've broken up and he's like, listen, you'll never be able to forget. Me. Yes. You'll never forget me, even if I die. <laughs> and, yeah. and I will come yeah, and yeah. haunt your dreams. You know, it was super intense. Bazigar style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was the day that you broke my heart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah hey guys did we uh did we cover hum rahe rahi let me see i uh, no actually we didn't i'm sorry let's uh we should go back into that yeah. hum rahe rahi i really like that song once again i i, I have to agree again great ballad awesome oh, wow. ballad yeah um uh, you know, I don't have much to add to it, but you know, just that emotional connection to that particular song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so now, skipping back down to "Asa Hamjie," which is the Air Force song. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all. That's all I have to say about that one. Yeah. So for me, like this was the one that you know I had like a personal connection right. to because I knew the guy who helped them out, and so I always thought the song was super cool. Cause you know it's it was more like that that oh I have I have a friend whose dad yeah, yeah, works yeah. at Nintendo type <laughs> of story right like oh I know a guy who knows these people and they worked on this song and then he you know they, there was a whole story yeah. attached to yeah, it you have a personal connection to it so that makes sense yeah so then they made it like a lot more interesting and yeah you know the videos and stuff I was like oh okay this is really interesting um, but I will say I mean this is like another moment where they're like yeah. selling out a little bit, right? They're like, how do we fund this lifestyle? Yeah. How do we not have to go get real jobs, you know? And um, as someone who doesn't have a real job, I think that is something mm-hmm. that is uh, when you're trying to make money out of being creative, like that's yeah. something I respect. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a line there. <laughs> and yeah. that's always a tricky one, right? Putting, putting Pepsi on your album <sighs> is the line. And that's, uh, uh, is this you know, the again, line? Is it not? I'm not sure. Given that, all three of us are not so, you know, you know, not so crazy about this song. No, no, I like the song. 
I'm just not. Oh, okay, okay. But I, I don't okay. know how much of it is my personal history with it, and how much of it is actually the song. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think. Yeah, you're right. Like we're you know sponsorship and stuff like that, and it reminds me of this one documentary that I had watched, uh, and it was called Heavy Metal Baghdad. Yeah, I've seen that too. And um, yeah, you've seen it too. And um, it takes place, you know, it talks about heavy metal bands in um, in Iraq. And prior to the war in Iraq, uh, during uh, Saddam years, Saddam had forced his, not forced, but he would tell, like, these guys could only make these bands and throw these, you know, local concerts if they had songs that praised Saddam. So they made all these heavy metal songs praising Saddam, which is like bizarre world. So I think... Yeah. I wonder if this was a societal pressure or this was like a, you know, like the Air Force, like, listen, uh, yeah, we'll get you all around Pakistan. We'll get you all these because, you know, the military military in Pakistan is like they have the best logistics. So if you have like a band and you need to move from, you know, through a concert in Lahore and then move on to Rawalpindi and then move on to Islamabad, you would need the military's logistical operations to get your equipment and your, you know, yourself in and out of these places. So I wonder if that's how this deal came about and they made this subpar song about the Air Force. Maybe, man. That would make sense, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. It's just basically that. And, um, you know, I mean, what can you do? It's on the album. It also has sort of this feeling of like Airwolf and... If you remember that yeah. time, it's sort of like yeah. very yeah. much like it's a theme song for like a, a almost like eighties, <laughs> not even nineties, almost like an eighties TV show. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Russell, if you look long enough, I'm sure you find the show they lifted it off of. I got one more to ruin, but yeah, one more to ruin. If you want to ruin a song, ruin this one. I think that's fair, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that would be. I would say mission. Okay. <laughs> Now, moving on to Bazaar. It's all right. For me, it's all right. Nothing amazing, but not bad. You know. When I was younger, I really, really liked Bazaar. I thought it was like the greatest thing. Um, I used to like I used to like it a lot when I when I was younger. I was just like, oh, this is like really fun and really poppy, and you know, just it reminded me of like Lahore and all that kind of feeling. So there's a bunch of these that just kind of remind me of like being in Lahore, and it feels very much like walking around right. Liberty Market and all these things there. Oh, cool. Um, this song I hate. It is the worst song that Vital Signs has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and it goes back to, you know, I was like, why, what is the purpose of the song? Uh, country girls going to visit the city and they're in shock. Like, what, what's the big deal? I don't get it. And um, it just, uh, I, I, maybe I felt it was pretentious or maybe I felt like it was just a dumb concept. But to me, it was definitely one of the worst songs. I hate this song. Every time I heard it, I would fast forward it. Sorry. <laughs> Fair enough, man. <laughs> No, no, I, I didn't like it that like, much. I, it was okay for me. So, yeah, and for me, it's just sort of the memory of the song. It's like, oh yeah, this was like a really fun song, driving around before, um, kind of a song. But itself, I mean, you know, it's just like another poppy song. I think it's a very much early Vital Signs bubblegum, none of that deep stuff where it's like you know experimenting with what it really feels like to slow it down. Right. Um, 
It's uh, and I had uh, you know while doing doing the research, and I took this from one of the reviewers, and um, I thought it was an interesting synopsis of the album, where they said that the entire album was you know self reflection, mischances, and the existential crisis of rural versus urban lifestyle, and that this is what the song really reflects is that existential crisis and you know coming back to it because i've never been to rural pakistan and i know i understand that both of you guys have had some uh interaction or visited rural pakistan yeah i've got a lot i mean originally my family's from okay. village, so uh, you know, yeah so so i have something to add maybe this is like the riaz rasul connection i like this song because i i went to okay. faslabad a lot and then I went to like Lahore. So this idea of like the dichotomy right. between Faisalabad's not not quite the village, but pretty right. getting more village-ish. And then going to Lahore as a big city mm-hmm. and just sort of seeing the the mix between those two. Like that that to me, the song, actually the song is probably like, you know, I don't know how original it is, but maybe this is the one that like, at least they're, the, the topics of it are very much people who are like been around different places of Pakistan seeing sort of that, um, the mixture mm-hmm. of what different types of people right. are going through. Uh, yeah, so maybe that's probably it. Maybe I wasn't <laughs> exposed to that, and that's probably why this song means more to you guys. Um, and I didn't see that connection. You know, like I've never been to the rural part, and so I think that's where that's the missing link right here. Um, then finally, cool. to the final song, is this the one that you're going to ruin for us, Ahmed? Yep, absolutely. So uh, go ahead, go ahead, go for the gold. So I was like digging this song. I was like, yeah, this is really cool. And then I heard the chorus, and like I instantly recognized it as a Blue Oyster Cult's um, famous suicide song, "Don't Fear the Reaper." That is so, awesome. Don't fear the reaper. No, no, no. So it's direct lift of the chorus, and it ruins the song for me. So, so I, I, I could doubly ruin it. This is another Air Force song. No. This it doesn't have the oh, word Air no. Force next to it, but this is the other one. Oh that they, yeah. man! Like it's it's like the good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like they're like, oh, what is this Airwolf theme? Okay, well we'll put our name on that one. But this one, yeah, we like this one too. Maybe they wrote it yeah. and they took it over or something, but they were definitely involved See, now, in both of those songs. That's such a weird song to take because that's like one of the biggest suicide songs by a blue yeah. cult. Um, well, they didn't, they didn't know that. They were just like, yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> like, that's like us like going out, you know, in our planes. Like, whoa, now that you watch mean, out, yeah. we're coming. Like, yeah. you know, like, now that you <laughs> said that it was an Air Force song, that it kind of ruined it for me. I actually like the song. If you like it, you like it. Right? You can ignore it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the intro to it, I was like, yeah, that's a rad song, man. And um, now that it's about the Air Force, yeah. I'm like, okay. But hey. Well, again, this is this is like this is like an uncle story. Who knows how yeah, true yeah. everything is, right? Like, you just hear something at some some party, yeah. But I, I mean, I, it's a it's an amazing song. It's really like pumps you up, you know. Yeah, it does pump you up. And, and you know, again, doing the research for this particular album, uh, I did come across something. And, you know, the validity of this information, you know, I don't know how true it is or how it, true it isn't. But the fact was that during the recording process of Vital Science 2, Junaid had left the band and said, listen, I don't think this is going to work. I'm going to go back to school to be an engineer. And when Royal released the album because he was 
doing all the final cuts, the all the final editing and everything, and he released the album. He came back and joined the band. So that's why they say that the tone is melt, you know, a little darker. People are going through different emotions, different things. And I was like, I don't know because of the lack of history there or a lack of information there. We mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of early days before yeah. the internet, right? Like people were very private about stuff, and it's one of the joys. I think some of these people, you know, some other bands um, that I'm sure you guys will get to are, are a little bit more open about their process mm-hmm. and what happened. Um, I think some of these guys they went through some real life changes and didn't want to talk about this period of their life. Like we'll never. I I bet you we missed out a lot on like if Janid Jamshed was still very pro music in his later years, we might've heard yeah. more history. Right. So instead we just have like Rohil's account and he already has like another thing going on. So he probably doesn't want to shake any boats. You need someone who's like on the other end of that being famous thing saying like, yeah. Hey guys, and this is what it was really like. And you're right. You're right. Like you, there is that thing where people just don't want to rock the boat. Like, you know, there's a paycheck coming from Coke studios. There's a paycheck coming from, I think even Lip, Lipton is involved now. Like Lipton has its own like musical show. So, you know, there's paychecks coming from everywhere and anywhere that, you know, they don't want to do that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's that. And then there's the other side of it too. We're living in a period where like anyone can put out their music on YouTube and, be discovered and you know yeah it's a good time to stay indie and maybe you can make money on microtransactions and all this kind of stuff so 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 i think that's today but back then you didn't have distribution (laughs) you didn't have a way to get out there until unless you did i'm sure there was a moment where they were like guys we need to get out there someone has come to us and said you can make a tv show about us and and I'm sure the other guys were like, what? A TV show? No, we're musicians. And like, no, this is the only way to get out there, right? This is the only way. This is the biggest medium to be known. And you cannot give yeah. this up because we we are basically the first, you know, yeah. big pop band in Pakistan. We need to like forge the way for ourselves first and then maybe for And, you know, I think, again, like um, as we're, you know, I never took these albums, like now we're like, you know, all three of us were grown, grown men. And, you know, we have our own, you know, uh, a lot of our life decisions, a lot of our perspectives are forged by things that have happened in our lives. And we look at it through that angle at a bunch of guys that were in their mid twenties and made an album. And we see things differently now. You know, we see the world differently. We see their writing process (laughs) differently. So I think, what was just an overtly simplistic album. And that, I think that mm. was the intention. I always think that there was a deeper meaning in everything that they did. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there could be, I think also just when you said like, you know, remember when you were right. in your twenties, right. I didn't know what the hell I was doing in my twenties. So I think, I think there might be a little bit of just, Oh, this seems interesting. I'll try it. And then I'm sure there are moments in the middle where you're like, no, this isn't working. I'm going to go back to being, you know, an engineer. I don't want to be hungry. You know, there's a lot of confusion in your 20s where you're just like, it's not a, it's not the hustle, but it's more like yeah. <laughs> just just yeah. absolute yeah. terror of being an adult. That's you're true. You're just like, it's I'm trying to figure out adulting. Yeah. So, Evan, there's still closing comments about the album itself. Yeah, it's a really good album. Uh, I unfortunately didn't think so when I was a kid, but I do now. So I'm glad I kind of discovered mm-hmm. 
as late as it is, but better late than never, yeah. I say. So. And Riaz, you? I mean, it was my first Vital Signs album, so I, I yeah. really dug it. And, you know, for me, it was sort of like a roadmap to relationships um, with some cre- creepy stuff thrown in, and I really dug it. I thought it was really amazing. And, you know, it, to me, it's still, still a soundtrack of, like, early Pakistani yeah, I music. have to agree that it was also a – and I was laughing when you said, like, uh, it was a playbook for relationships because I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought because that's how I viewed it. And uh, <laughs> you know, for sure yeah with no context with no with no actual experience yeah this is it like this is it yeah yeah so um, when i die you can't forget uh, any women that i had creeped out during the years of uh, 15 through 23 (laughs) i am so sorry i was just listening to junaid giving me advice on vital signs (laughs) (laughs) i think that's totally (laughs) we should just pile it on them it's Royal, man. You got to blame Royal. Yeah. And then when you were listening All to Vital Signs 1 and the obsession you had with Gori yeah, Rang, so. <laughs> you toned it down. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah. yeah, so it, it was. Yeah, he it just tried to promote himself. It was like how we should perceive our relationships and how relationships, you know, how we perceived love and how we perceived uh, even friendships. So, yeah, that, for me, this is that kind of album that set the tone. Or maybe that Shoaib Mansour is just a dark guy, man, because he writes a lot of the lyrics. So, yeah, he does. He does. Uh, is he still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a film director now, so he made uh, Kodakilie Bol. I think he's working on other stuff. Yeah, really. He's yeah. he's the guy to get to to get the real yeah. beats on early, you know, on the early stuff. I feel like no, Rahil's never, never going to talk. Yeah, because Kodakmili is really about Junaid Jamshid's and, uh, when he became Muslim and he mm-hmm. left music behind because that's the theme of the movie. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it, Riaz. I know, Imran, you haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't. I it's that. about two brothers. Yeah, so just real quick, it's about two brothers who are in a pop band in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them kind of goes to music school in the U.S. where the other leaves music behind and becomes extremist. Um and the guy who goes to music school in the U.S. gets caught up in 9-11. So it's all about that whole wow. music, Islam, terrorism. Yeah. It's a really, really good movie. You know, everyone's recommended yeah. it. And- yeah, watch it. Definitely watch it. Yeah, I'll definitely, yeah, I'll watch, definitely it. watch it. Yeah, that's something I would definitely want to watch, um, especially given the yeah. fact that it's so tied into that. And, um, yeah. you know, I think even uh, Junaid's uh, latter um, – solo albums that he made that were done before his full-on Tabliki Jamaat movement, uh, conversion to the Tabliki Jamaat movement, um, they were... Th- Shoaib Mansour wrote all the lyrics. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, okay, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah. he's the guy. They were great. He's the guy to, uh, you know, someday release a, a book or something about all this yeah. stuff, you know. Well, maybe maybe when he listens to this podcast, you know, give us <laughs> right, yeah. give these guys a call and say, "Hey, I got I got the information. Yeah, I'm listen, ready to be on the show." Listen to it and then sue us afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe uh, you know. Now, I, if we, uh, I was thinking about maybe tagging him on Facebook or something, but now I was like, I dissed one of his songs, and I'm like, oh man, I don't want that guy to know. Like, maybe he felt strongly <laughs> about that, and he's like, "Why is this guy dissing my work of art?" 
Unless he agrees with you, and he's like, "This guy knows." He called me on my bullshit. He's yeah. the real deal. That, that that might be another thing, but yeah, that's you know, and um, and I just wanted to add one more thing that even with strings, the principal songwriter was uh, Anwar Maksud. Hmm. Wow. So all these guys that are you know, that were like, I guess they were like uh, the artistic poetic uh, types. They wrote the soundtracks to these uh, songs. So, in a way, these and these guys are like older than my parents. So it's like some old guy who's like, I guess that's probably what he thought love was in the fifties and sixties, and now we're getting a translation in the eighties, and now me as a, you know, teenager in the nineties. So you know, like that lineage right there. So I guess that's what's going on there. So that's how love was in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, that's that's what I heard too. <laughs> this is it was very intense. I, I yeah, I mean that that's really interesting. I mean, I think writers also were just not as uh, celebrated. For the rock star was the guy in the front with a guitar, yeah. or the guy. Yeah, singing, he right? was. And like, who, go on. Oh, I was gonna say, but there was a time that the writers were probably more mm-hmm. celebrated back in the fifties and sixties, yeah. or forties and fifties, probably. And I think um, yeah, they were. They were just the, uh, you know, they were the, um, the singers were the vessels, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And that's completely flipped. Now you're like, oh, yeah, this person, this is, I love this song. And but you don't yeah. know who really wrote it, you know. Again, you know, I think it's one of those things where there's so much that we have to fill in with ourselves. You know, there's so much information, there's so little information out there regarding, like, you know, going back, going to, you know, even Janoon, Janoon has what, so much information about themselves compared to Vital Signs. Yeah, no, it does. There's there's so many documentaries. There's like the books. I mean, Janoon has yeah. all this stuff. You know, I don't want to take it. I'm sure there'll be a yeah, Janoon yeah. episode, so I don't want to take it too deep into Janoon. But yeah, Vital Signs is like a you know, I think I think just something happened, and they they um, they're the early history was yeah, just sort yeah. of like not precious maybe to them. Um, but it's precious to us. I mean, a lot of the stuff, maybe it wasn't considered as, as, um, I mean, so let me ask this question to you guys. Like, how do you think the music is aged? Like if someone new was coming to listen to this, that didn't have like the history of all the stuff we do, would you recommend they listen to this album? Is it, is it aged well? <sighs> I think some of it has, some of it hasn't. Right. I would say one or two songs yeah. of HL. Uh, my per- this is someone who likes the album. Yeah, I mean, right? I'm yeah. going to be a work now. Uh, you know. I think, especially with production and things like, I don't know, have you guys heard like contemporary, contemporary Pakistani music, like Pakistani bands that are of this, you know, uh, of the last, you know, five to 10 years? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 10 years yeah. Okay. Yeah. Five to 10 years. Yeah, so as far as not only just production value, not only as like, um, you know, how the songs sound sonically and everything. My personal opinion is that you're right. Like maybe if the songs were given like an updated version of it, they might sound great. But sonically, and and again, comparing apples to apples, what music sounds like right now, contemporary pop music in Pakistan sounds like right now, and what it sounded like 20, 30 years ago, it's changed, and I would say that a lot of the album hasn't aged well. 
sadly, I have to have to agree because I think <laughs> I was blasting a lot of Vital Signs too and trying to get my wife and kids to listen to it. And yeah. um, I don't know why my wife doesn't have the same like memories of it. I think she's she busy listening to like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I think her parents had a lot of American music when she was younger. Yeah. Um, I have the so she was in like, my house. <laughs> the opposite, yeah. Yeah, my yeah. wife loves Vital Signs. She's she likes all the albums, yeah. you know. Because probably she listened to it when she was younger. Yeah, yeah. She's but there was, uh, well, so that, that helps. Yeah. yeah, the kids like the poppy stuff, right? But then, you know, there's some stuff where I was like, oh yeah, check out these like melancholy tunes. I'm really into it. And then, you know, my wife's like, no, 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 this is not. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my wife was not actually. My wife didn't even like them either. Yeah. She's like, she's totally not into it. Like, she's like, um, don't, don't put it on. Wow. <laughs> she'll listen to other stuff. Like, I'll put on Janoon. She'll she'll listen to other things, and then, you know, it might be a those age thing too, though, right? She probably missed. Yeah, it's an age thing. It's definitely an age thing. You know, um, my wife was born in '85, so you know, like she was only, what I want to say, like. Eight years old, or was that eight or six? It's maybe six uh, or maybe seven. Not, yeah, ninety three. Yeah, six. Yeah, so yeah. nine, nine, nine years old when Guitar ninety three came out. So, like, what kind of connection would they even have when you have like a visual representation of the music? Like, it's not the same, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I'd agree. I think it hasn't aged well, but historically, I think it's such an important. Like yeah. the first few Vital Signs albums are so important for like Pakistani pop history. Yeah. And, and the role that they played. Oh yeah, even even for Janoon, man, like they opened the door yeah. for bands like Janoon and Jal and you know, yeah. Michael and and Nuri. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. like the there was pop music before, but it wasn't like a band. Yeah, it was individuals. The most we got was a brother sister duo. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, the idea that there was. <laughs> oh, that song. Sorry. <laughs> you know that song. Oh yeah, 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 of course. So. He was like one of the first. Yeah, guys. so there were a lot of like individuals um, that were kind of doing pop music. Clearly, pop music was there, but this idea that you could be a band—that yeah. was, I think, vital science in Pakistan, and that you could sort of the band would get together or break up, or you'd follow the band. You know, like all this stuff that that opened the doors for so many people to like start their bands. And it did, yeah. It then that's the important thing that it just opened the door, um, and I think. The uh, especially with like you know like bands like Janoon where they introduce like elements of traditional Pakistani instruments mixed with rock and that formula has been working for so many bands even to this day in Pakistan and um, I think if yeah. if if like these Vital Signs songs were given that treatment I think they would sound spectacular. In other words, they need like a Coke studio with the uh, oh hell yeah. yeah. That would no, be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have to agree, hundred percent. I think Rohit probably can't, you know, maybe be part. Oh yeah, I heard he's coming back. You he's know, he's back. out. He was out. Yeah. I didn't know he was out. Yeah. But I was gonna say, no, like he formed it. It's his baby, but he doesn't do the year by year yeah. production. Like so, every year it's different, right? So one year it's trends, yeah. one year it's another producer. So I heard there's rumors that he might come to produce a whole. Season. So see, someone needs to so, do at least one or two covers, you know. Right, yeah. I think a whole synthwave version of uh, Dil Dil Pakistan, I've come around 180%. I think a synthwave (laughs) Dil Dil Pakistan would be the most epic thing ever. I'm sorry, Rusul. I'm going to the dark side. 
but it has to be like completely like sliced up and yeah you can't i think tell uh, you know like again with that synth wave what you're saying is like you know take the modern production you know um techniques and then do techniques, it with yeah. those old school instruments that even that would sound spectacular uh none of these uh, none of these albums have been given the uh master what do they call them the master remastered uh, yeah remastered um Okay, so yeah, that that was my only thing that 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 um, you know this this particular like he's never revisited these songs, and I I'm always curious like does he not like them? Does he feel personal about them? I don't I don't know. So so let's go through the let's go through the tracks. Which ones would you guys want like uh, remade? You go first, Red. Yeah, you go first. And then... I mean, well, I I should yeah. be for sure, right? But does it maybe need a remake? I don't know. It feels like pretty damn perfect to me. Um, I, I would love like a remake of like um, Nazar, <laughs> and then maybe you know Yad Karna, but with like less creepy creepiness, like edit a creep edit <laughs> on Yad Karna, like more like it's okay if I die, you can move on, like a, like a complete remake of that. Yeah, Imran, what about you? What, what uh, songs would you like to see remade in Coke Studio? Um, for me, uh, you know, uh, and I again, I want to, I, I highly recommend, because I did get that Tere Liye, uh, you know, the live acoustic version. I thought it was so fantastic. I thought it was so amazing. So I would, you know, I, and yeah. I got my wish. So, you know, I think uh, maybe Naraz oh, yeah. and Paz I think those would they, would, they would sound pretty good. I think they would sound awesome, uh, done, redone. Yeah. So, so that's a great point. So maybe some of them, maybe we need a full acoustic versions of some of them. Maybe there's an acoustic Vital Signs album yeah. that comes out that's just like covers. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine full acoustic covers of Vital Signs yeah. songs? That would be amazing. I don't, and then uh, a whole set of like synthwave Vital Signs songs. You want the synthwave, man. You get- <laughs> No, but I, I would love like mm-hmm. one side to be acoustic and one side to be synthwave. Like, think about how crazy that album would yeah. be. Yeah. And they're all covers because I think you couldn't get. But the thing is, who do you get to sing like Janet? That's the thing that kills it, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. No. I'm sure Ali Azmat could do a few songs like. Uh, no. Really? Know. Maybe yeah. the slower ones. He's good. He, I've seen him yeah. in Coke Studio. He's quite good. He can do well. Yeah. yeah. They did a little thing on the Lux Awards with Sulman Ahmed and uh, Junaid's son. I think it was Dilil Pakistan, but it was very short, but like a little tribute. So, yeah, some like a big concert like that would be great. But, but then, do you respect the guy? He wasn't really into music by the time he passed. You know, would he have wanted something? I don't know. I, 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 I will be honest. Like, I got really pissed off with Junaid Jamshed. Right? I was like, what? How? But I mean, it's hard because you have to respect his views as well. But I think there's something where you can't ask people to like destroy the, your your legacy and your history or whatever it meant, right? If you created something before, you changed your mind. Like that's out in the world, yeah. you can't really take it back. So if you remix yeah. that, I think it's fair game. Uh, maybe I have a harsh opinion about it, but I think it's like if you make a if you make a piece of art or you make something that's, but you sell it, then it's not yours anymore. You don't get to say, I still own it, you know? And I think I agree with you that now because it becomes, it's how we consume it, right? It's not how you, you made it, now we consume it. 
So in a, in a way, we own it now. You know, it's not only just, you know, not only just Jermaine, it's just, uh, I also feel like just how royal is that he will not, he's not, he doesn't want to revisit the stuff. He doesn't want to do new stuff. He hasn't touched it. He, it's been more than, you know, Cook Studios been around for more than 10 years. He hasn't touched any of this stuff. Yeah. So if, if anyone does like a remix version, please share it with the podcast and we'll call it out in future episodes. There's got to be some, some, you know, some people with better abilities than us, than us people, <laughs> at least me. I don't know about you guys, but I don't have any ability to make music. So uh, rather than playing with my pocket operator. Uh, I can play a little guitar. Sorry, Imran, what did you say? You cut out. Special. I said I have a mandolin. So I'll do an Ajinobi cover of on the mandolin. Is a mandolin like a like a banjo? Uh, almost close enough. Yeah, I I found this banjo band um, in uh, that sings Pakistani music. Oh, nice. I'll try to find them. They're really good. You you wouldn't think so, but like Pakistani music with a banjo is okay. freaking phenomenal. Um, they're called the Tash uh, the okay. Tamash Beans. The mash beans, and they have a uh, they have a song called "Koito Milega." Oh, it's yeah. so good. So yeah, yeah, I think I think banjo version. Yeah, no. When I say like acoustic, I think do the banjo version. Like do something really like that people notice, and and that would be amazing. I think yeah, I think uh, that would be a good treatment for these songs. That uh, I think yeah. contemporary bands should take them on and start covering them. Like uh, like any other Western band that covers, you know, like say the Beatles, the songs that they love from the Beatles, cover these songs again. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, that was fun. Should we uh, sign off now? All right. All right. Thank you guys for inviting me. This was really fun. Yeah, you're welcome, man. And please come back. Uh, maybe we can do, you know, Janoon or other bands in the future. Yeah, That'd yeah. Cool. There's definitely there's definitely some bands. Janoon, of course, is you know every part of everyone's history. But uh, I'd love to come back. Yeah. Awesome. So from uh, Ahmed Riyaz, Imran, and Ahmed Rasul, this is Islamabad Rock City. Uh, this was Vital Signs Volume 2. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Look out for the next episode.